Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You're listening to the Motherhood Unstressed Podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so glad you're here, as always. And I'm so excited to share the work of my guest with you this week. She's a best-selling author and host of the beloved podcast, Terrible Thanks for Asking. Yes, I'm talking about Nora McInerney. She's captured the hearts of millions by discussing grief and loss with wit and warmth. Now with her new book, Bad Vibes Only, and other things I bring to the table, she's turning her eye on our aggressively, oppressively optimistic culture, our obsession with self-improvement, guilty as charged, and what it really means to live our lives online. So I think this is such a fascinating take on culture, not only in America, but all over the world and how we put everything, everything online. And and we're really just documenting our life experience um, for each other, for ourselves. Um, And when that happens, we're not always the most honest, right? Like we always want to put the highlight reel on social media, which I get it. It's totally understandable. But then you have people like Nora coming in who are saying like, this isn't healthy. This isn't normal. This isn't productive, you know, to the collective. So I love this conversation. I love speaking with her and having real truthful, authentic conversations with women who are breaking away from the pack and and holding up a mirror to to real life which is something we need when i think the majority of of the mirrors out there are not real are not authentic and make us actually feel worse about our own life experience so i hope you enjoy this episode i hope it empowers you i hope it makes you laugh and uh, just has you feeling better about your own life situation and what's going on and to to remember that what you see online, again, is this highlight reel. It's not the truth of someone's life experience. So live your life, enjoy it, the good and the bad. Don't try to bypass it and uh, be like Nora. Because I think when we are like her, uh, we're all a little bit more um, self-accepting and and freer at the end of the day. So please enjoy this episode with author and podcaster Nora McInerney. Well, hello, Nora. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here. Hi, Liz. So I kind of right off the bat want to jump on with a heavier question. And that is, when did you realize that reaching people and, and communicating the message that it's okay to be uncomfortable or comfortable with the uncomfortable, when did you realize that that was kind of your mission statement? I don't know if I ever realized it. I don't know if I even have a mission statement. Um, I'm just doing what feels important to me. I think sometimes it's easy to look at a person who has like any kind of career and think, wow, they really have a plan. Mm. They really know exactly. I don't. And I never have. I never have. Um, Maybe I did back when I worked in like 
advertising and I was working at an ad agency and my future was mapped out for me, right? You're going to start at this level and then you'll be promoted to this level and this level and this level. And then eventually you'll be at the very top. But my life fell apart and I was just spinning and spiraling and I was doing the things that made me feel a little bit better. Hmm. But this was never the plan. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's incredibly honest. And that's so in line with the work that you do. You get honest in your writing and in your speaks and your speaker uh, speaking engagement. I can't speak. Well, and, I, um, love <laughs> I love my speaks. <laughs> no, it's so funny because I just watched your TED talk and you're like, I've never said measure this way. And it was so, it was such a moment in the talk where it was like, oh, we all just kind of like let down our shoulders and we're like, oh my God, like she's being real. Like this is a real person sharing something. I want to listen to this. Has that always been the way you approached your writing, the way you approached your life? Like even before you were you know, this author and this speaker, like, were you always just real and raw with people in daily conversations? And meaning, can I not read a room? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, I've always been like, I've always just been a little odd, you know? And now I know that that was like undiagnosed ADHD and I, for better or worse, like can't not be myself. Mm. Um, and I remember having a conversation with a boss when I worked in advertising, going into a client meeting and she was like, just do not be yourself. And I was like, oh, wow. and would you believe I choked that pitch so hard? I choked it so hard. I was like, what am I doing? Is this being me or is this being something? It just, I, I just have always been, I think I have always been like this. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that that's because you were always a writer? Now, I, I know you've kept a diary since you were like, what, second grade yeah, um, throughout yeah. your life. Do you think that that promoted this greater sense of self-awareness so that then being inauthentic was impossible? Maybe. I was. I, I'd had, and this is part of like the live show, actually, now that you bring it up. But um, I, I do think I was like painfully, like painfully self-aware since I was a kid. And it's not a great thing. You know what I mean? Like a little bit of sort of like uh, unawareness uh, is probably healthier than being so self-aware that sometimes it's like difficult to function. Mm. Um, and I don't know that I've ever been so conscious of like, even for a self-aware person, I don't approach like writing or speaking or, you know, anything as like, oh yeah, I've just like gotta be myself. Like <laughs> I have to know what I want to say yeah. and I can only create if I know that I have something to say. So there are like periods of time where I don't publish anything. I don't really write anything uh, outside of maybe a journal entry because there's nothing there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I just, I, I will never be a person who can have like a regular weekly email because 90% of the time I have nothing to even write an email about. <laughs> Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Absolutely. And I think that that's true for the most creative people in the world. It's yeah. like, you need that quiet time, that solitude so that you can then bring something to people. Like if you never take a break, you can never find anything within you, you know, grow anything, which is interesting yeah. to me because you're a mother. And so getting that downtime, getting that quote unquote, solitude is near impossible. So how do you then come up with something years later, or even like every, every yeah. month, you know, put out an episode or whatever, when you're still doing all the things that motherhood requires? I used to just burn myself out to the point of like mental breakdown. 
regularly. That was like, you know, when I look back at, you know, the years that it took to build the podcast that I created or publish the first four books, I was at the end of a rapidly fraying rope, feeling like I was dropping absolutely everything. I would always be on my phone trying to like tap something out. I would be writing with like a baby in my lap. Uh, I would be staying up really late at night after the kids went to bed to like finish something that I couldn't get done during the day. And it was like kind of miserable. And since 2019, uh, I haven't been in that space at all. And that's because my Mm -hmm. husband's a stay at home dad and I get as much time as I need to do anything. I get all the time in the world. I have all the time in the world. I have all the time in the world. Do the kids still need me? Of course. Like, do they still prefer me? Yes. Like (laughs) my husband, but it's like, you know, it's like when the kids want you, it doesn't matter who else is available to them. They want you, they want you and they deserve that. Right. Like they do deserve that. But I don't have a brain that is filled with like, whose project is due or who's going to be what for Halloween or um, who needs a dentist appointment? Because that's Matthew. He does that. So I don't unload the dishwasher. I don't do our laundry. Uh, I don't do my laundry. Um, I don't grocery shop. I don't know what we're having for dinner. I don't know what, what goes in the kids' lunches. Like I live a life that many generations of men got to live. Um, so that has made all the difference. That has made all the difference. My husband okay. sacrificed his own career for mine, the way my grandmother and her mother and her mother before her uh, did that for her husband. This episode is sponsored by Masa. Masa is a fitness company based out of Atlanta, Georgia. They have hundreds of on-demand workouts and recoveries for everyone, new movers and athletes alike, 300 and growing. Podcast listeners can get 30 days free on top of a 14-day trial with the coupon code MOTHERHOODUNSTRESSED30. Now, after 44 days, a subscription of just $9.99 per month is available to you. Now, remember, these are workouts that fit every schedule. Whether you have 10, 30, or 60 minutes, you're going to be able to get it in in a creative way. And they're actually enjoyable, driven by music and amazing coaching. So if you are someone who has been looking for an extra push, an extra hand to help you up, this is where you want to go. So be sure to download the Masa app on your smartphone and use my code MOTHERHOODUNSTRESS30 to save. Yeah. They're husbands. So that's it, how. It's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. And I, I love that you're you're leading with that example because I think it does shift the paradigm for so many women who are getting into relationships that will eventually lead to marriage. Like it does offer another way. And it's like, yeah. oh, well, Nora did it. Like this is not some, you know, yeah. pie in the sky thing, you know, it's, it is possible. And to look it's for totally men that that possible. would be okay with that. Yes. Yes. And I'm two for two. Like when I met Aaron, mm. my first husband who died, like, uh, like that was a, an initial conversation. He was like, Oh, I'll be a stay at home dad. I was like, thank God. <laughs> like, wow. great. Good. Good. Do that. That's, that's. And great. that wasn't just Perfect. a line, you know, to get you right. No, no. He was like, Oh yeah. Like I, that's, that's, I would, I would kill at that. I was like, you really would. And <laughs> you know, it's not to say like, I, I think at some point Matthew will go back to work and like, maybe I'll step back who knows. But uh, I say that mostly not just so that other people know that it's a possibility. Like we know it's a possibility, right? Like everything is a possibility, yeah. but mostly so nobody is comparing 
they're, they're apples to my oranges because it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same even for like a lot of my peers who, you know, have great husbands or great partners of any kind. Um, but like, don't have 100% of that home front taken care of. So it's not yeah. the same. Yeah. Or you have to pay for it. You know, you have to, you have to pay for it. it. You have to pay for it. Yeah. 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 Okay. But we're here today to talk about your latest book, Bad Vibes Only. What, what was the inspiration? I'm sure you get this question all the time. What was the inspiration for the book? And what do you hope the reader, the, yeah. per, the, the, the person you're writing this for, what do you hope she gets out of it? The inspiration was a home good sign. Okay. The inspiration <laughs> was a home good sign that haunts me. It's always there and it takes different shapes. Sometimes it's a mug. Sometimes it's a tea towel, but it's always there. And it's always telling you, you should leave. <laughs> you should leave. You should leave. And this sort of aggressively optimistic culture that we live in here in America, that's like, mm. okay, like, sure, sure, sure. Um, yes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we know something, I'm, but like, let's get over it. And I think every single person I know uh, has within them a multitude of vibes, right? Like has within them uh, uh, many, many stories that feel out of step with a culture that wants us to be perfect or at least look really perfect, at least make it look really good. And so these are stories about um, imperfection and yet the pursuit of perfection and the fraught nature of living and raising children in an increasingly online and disconnected world. They are stories about what it is really like to be alive. I love that. I love that. And did you feel any kind of pushback from the publisher? I know you start, you talked about how yeah. when you first came out with your first book, it was like, no, we can't go down this negative route because no one's yeah. going to want to go there. You know, we're already, yeah. we're looking for escapism. We're not really necessarily looking for reality. Yeah, we're not, they weren't even looking for escapism. I think what they were looking for was just like a bow on it, right? Yeah. Like, hey, like your husband died, but like, oh, what else? <laughs> like, what else right. do you have? And, you know, I have been immersed in sorrow and grief and not just my own, but, you know, kind of like everybody, the world's, the world's been drinking from the fire hose of human suffering that is the internet for the past uh, couple decades. And my job on my podcast is to talk to people about, the really hard things that they've been through. And um, I do think there has been a slight, 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 maybe even imperceptible cultural shift where the veil has lifted a mm. little bit. Like we know, we know. I love that you said in American culture, because that was one of my main points I mm -hmm. wanted to hit on. Why do you think that there is this like bypassing that we do in American culture? Like listeners to the show are all over the world. And so I think mm -hmm. that they would find that interesting. It's like, why do we do that here? Why do we put on this face? Instagram yeah. is all over the world. You know, the shiny veneer is all over the world. Why in this country yeah. specifically, are we always like, everything's great. Everything's fine. I'm doing great. My family's yeah, doing great. Because we're winners. You know, it's American mm. exceptionalism and it's uh, like, look, we, uh, we believe that everybody can pull themselves up by the bootstraps and that is the American dream. And also, you know, it's late stage capitalism <laughs> where mm. we're all like fighting for scraps while three billionaires build a rocket ship to the moon. Right. You know, like mm -hmm. think about it. Like, uh, like, you know, <laughs> I, I think everybody knows that, uh, uh, things are not great. And yet uh, we're all desperately lonely. 
we're all desperately lonely. And it's also strange that we've sort of participated in, perpetuated, and built this culture of, of online personas and personal brands where every single person you know, if they have 600,000 followers, if they have 600 followers, are producing, editing, directing, and starring in their own reality show online. Yeah. You know, yeah. it is really a peculiar time to be alive. Spot on. I, I so agree with that. And it's like going back to, you know, the generation that's coming up. Like I have two boys, seven and 10, you have four children who are right, you know, at that age. And it's yeah. like, I'm watching this in real time. Like the time that they spend on screens and talking to friends online, like I want them to feel connected to their friends. But at the same time, it's like, this is different. This is a different it's animal. Different. And it's, it's like, different. it's so yeah. addicting. It's so addicting. And when we, I don't know how old you are, but I'm almost 40. And when I was a little, like I would come home and I would get a break from school. I'd get a break from my classmates. I would get a break from that version of the world. And if somebody wanted to be mean to me, they'd have to do it at school. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, yeah. they could call my house, but my dad would probably answer the phone. And my dad would say, she can't talk. She can't talk right now. She's got to do her homework. She can't talk right now. It's dinner time. And I do think we're going to look back and think about this as like the most demented time in human history to be like, you know what? Every middle school girl should have direct access to one another with no intermediary. Yeah. It's bananas. It's absolutely bananas to me that, you know, my kindergartner had an email address at school. Mm -hmm. Like in first grade, they were originating like Google documents. Like, you know, a kid yeah. can just open a Google document, write something, add another kid to it and delete it. It's bananas. It's yeah. absolutely bananas. And uh, we, we thought about all the good things that would happen with this. And we really didn't think through all the, uh, through all the uh, horrifying things that could happen too. And like, if we already know that this, like, like, you know, right. When your screen time report comes in at, at, during the week, do you already know? It's a, you shameful it, like, it's a shameful time. It's a shameful time. It's a shameful time. And like, can you tell though, like, I can tell before mine comes in Liz, oh, like, yeah. Like when it's going to be, high, I already know, like, I can already tell you what kind of week I had. I can already yes. tell you it's not have a good week, you know? It's so true. It's so true. And it's like your best weeks are the ones where you're like, huh, two hours. Mm -hmm. That's great. And it was like maps. It was the maps app <laughs> there because you went somewhere and you did something, you know? So yeah, I want my kids to feel connected. And I also like am prepared to raise children who know what it's like to feel left out because they're mm. not going to have social media until they're 18 and they're not going to have phones. I don't know when they'll get a phone, but it's not going to be happening soon. And um, you know, there are kids in their class who already have them and like, yeah. okay, that's good for that kid. But unfortunately I'm your mom. And this episode of motherhood unstressed is sponsored by Sambacol. Fall is here. And you know what that means? Cooler weather layers. And of course the kids are back in school. Now with that comes the threat of illnesses. It's what we've all known since we've had them in daycare, right? Um, but Samacol offers a great way to support their immune systems. They have key vitamins like A, C, and E, and also a natural source of powerful antioxidants. So you're boosting that immune system and you're helping keep them healthy, even though they're back in the day-to-day, -day, especially as the temperatures get cooler and sicknesses start to increase. Um, but and Samacol is great because they have a lot of different products to help you get that black elderberry in your system. Uh, they have syrups, gummies, chewable tablets 
tablets, drink powders, capsules, and more. Our family loves the gummies, I have to say. I love them. They're sweet and tart, and I feel like it's a little treat in the middle of the day whenever I pop them in. And my kids do too. So it's easy to get them that immune boosting support that they need for the school year and beyond. Now, if you're tuning into this, you know I'm going to get you a good deal. You can get 15% off your next order of $9.99 or more at samicolusa.com and use my promo code motherhood15 at checkout. That's 15% off your order of $9.99 or more at samicolusa.com using the code motherhood15. <laughs> I would say fortunately. And the fact that you probably do have your maps open so much is that you are on tour for the book. Um, what can audience members expect from the tour when they come see you? God. So I, it's so, it's so hard to describe, which is not good. That's not good, but it's sort of, I think it feels like more like a Netflix special than a podcast taping probably because we're not taping mm. it, Liz. We don't tape it. I don't interview people live. We tell you a story and we bring you through an experience and it's me and it's my producer, Marcel Malikibu. And we have put visuals and audio and video all together. And you sit in a theater with a bunch of strangers and have an experience and we don't tape it. And so, uh, if you're there, you're there. And if you're there next time, you'll get the next one. (laughs) And, uh, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's an extension of the terrible thanks for asking universe, which is, um, emotional honesty and great storytelling, but not in your earbuds while you do the dishes in a theater. Do you feel like it's a spiritual experience when you get all of these people in a room and you do have this cathartic emotional space, you're holding that space for stories and honesty and tears and emotion and laughter and all of it. Do you feel like it's almost a connection to something greater than yourself? Yeah. I think anytime that you can connect with another person, like you can feel that direct connection to something greater than yourself, to whatever it is that connects all of us. Um, And especially when that's a stranger and especially when that's a lot of strangers and especially when, you know, just from, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Even if my show were called like fine thanks, or if my show were called like (laughs) never been better, or, you know, if my show were about something completely different, anytime you are in a group of people and you have the time and space to think about the fact that everybody there has their own story. Like, of course that is like, that is really, really like a deep experience. I'm glad you asked that question. Yeah. I mean, because I think it's true. I mean, you're there creating this space for truth and honesty and openness to exist. You know, that's almost like the expectation, like, okay, I can finally go and be with people. I don't know them, but almost in that time, you probably feel like you can be more honest, you know, because that person doesn't know you. They're not judging you. So it's like, okay, I can let it all out and it's okay. It's safe. I'm safe. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And you know, there are like precious few places where people do get to feel that kind of safety. And I am very honored to be one of those, one of those places, one of those spaces. Yeah. But I think it's important. Like, it's not like it's just happening. Like you created this, you know, like you, you, you put in the work, you put in the hours on the computer, however you write. And, and that's how it came to be. It's like, when you are in that space of writing and producing something, you know, you're in your go mode, what does it feel like in your body? Mm. Uh, like I don't even have a body when I'm mm. doing that. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. it's so like hours can go by and it will feel like 
nothing or hours will go by and it will feel like hours have gone by, but I was in them and I enjoyed them. And I would say that's not the constant experience of writing (laughs) or like making something, Uh, putting the show together was really grueling. And I like wrote it and deleted it and ripped it apart like a hundred times. And maybe a month before I was like, I should cancel. <laughs> Just cancel this whole thing. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do, you know do this. Yeah. That's when you know it's good. God, you have to, it's so hard to remember that though. You're like, is it though? Mm. Is mm-hmm. it like, and uh, yeah, that's how I, I would say I've had those like real like flow state experiences and I treasure them so much. Yeah. But I think if this is your job, it's also like being strong in those moments where you're not in flow, you know, it doesn't feel yeah. good, but you're, you're attached to this greater purpose and message, um, whether you planned it or not. Whether I think you planned it or not. Yeah. 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 It is interesting though. It's like when it is your job, I would say like, then, then it does like parts that are just so jobby still, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you still yeah. gotta like produce check emails, you know, you still got to do just like this stuff where you're like, what? Like, that's not, that's not the thing. And it's like, no, it's all the thing. It's all the Mm. thing. You got to do the whole thing. Yeah. Is it, is it the, the, the stories that, you know, when, when people do read your work, when you put it out into the world and they come back to you and say, Hey, this was really important to me, or Hey, this really meant a lot to me. Is that what keeps you going? What does keep you going when you've already, I mean, you've already been published and you've already done the TED talk. You've already done all the things. Dude, money. This is like, 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 I'm not trying to be rude. Like maybe cut that part out, but it's like, this is a job. It's a job, Liz. It's a job. Like I'm not Glennon Doyle. I'm not Colleen Hoover. I'm not like Michael Crichton. I'm not like, there's a difference between being published, having a podcast and like being set. Like this is my job. You know what I do? Like, this is how I pay my mortgage. This is how I support my family. Like, you know, I like, I don't have a day job. Like this is my job too. Like I know, I know everyone wants me to say something inspiring, but like, this is my job. I've built a company. Other people rely on me too. So it's like, you know, I like, this is my career. Um, at some point I don't see myself like being a person who like has to like, uh, how do I, how do I explain this? It's like, this is my career if I wasn't doing this and I wasn't being paid to do this, I would still be doing this. If that makes sense. But I would also still have a job. I would also, but, Mm. but, 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 but people have to know that like, this is a job. Like that's how I do everything. Like this is how I pay people. This is how I pay myself. Like, you know, it's a, and it's like, I, I like scrap for every fucking dollar. Like that's like, that's the fact. I do not have like, um, like, uh, I, 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 Uh, and I, and I built this from like, not a comfortable place. I was not in a comfortable place. So, you know, um, but if at any point people didn't want to listen to my podcast anymore, didn't want to, uh, like read any more books that I wrote, I would go work at the post office. Like I would, I'd be at the post office and I would just like write in a journal. You know what I mean? Like I would, I would do something, but it would be like, it would be for me, but like, I do it this way because like, this is my job now. Yeah. But I think it's you know? such an alignment of, of what you want to do, right. Yeah. You want to be, you want to be doing this. You want to create this. Yeah. You are helping so many people yeah. get comfortable with being uncomfortable and have conversations with people who have gone through terrible situations of loss and are still in that grieving period because you're never really done. Right. Yeah. And it's like, 
that that matters and that means something. And so I think yeah. it's great that you're like, hey, this is a job, but at the same time, it's like this is this is purpose too. And I think that 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 matters. Um, yeah, yeah. I also when, like I just I don't know. I hope you can edit out me just like cutting you off and saying money, but it's like <laughs> you know, like it's to be able to have like to work in your purpose is such a fucking privilege that like mm-hmm. the vast majority of people don't have. The vast majority of people don't have. And I remember being a real little like snob to my dad when I was in college and I was taking like a marketing class. My dad worked in advertising when I was growing up and like he wrote infomercials. And I remember just saying like, I don't think I can do that. Like, it's just so empty. And he was like, oh, I guess I didn't realize like providing for my family was meaningless. And like, Mm -hmm. whatever you do, like can have great meaning. And the meaning does not need to be that you are like, serving, you know, a bunch of people or like a bunch of people like are affected by your work or like, like the, the meaning and the purpose can be that you build yourself a, like a, a good life, a safe life that you give your, pe- your, your people and yourself like safety and shelter and like a place to be. And like, we have this, and this sort of like ties into American culture. Like we sort of like venerate, like we like blow up like people who are doing things that are like, you know, like that are like big and shiny. Um, when like any, any job like can have meaning, you know, like any, like all, all work is noble. All work is like meaningful, like kind of inherently. So um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's easy to like speak like really loftily about like my work, but it's like, there are people who are like literally saving lives. You know what I mean? Like there, (laughs) there are people who are like, like a nurse got off like her like ICU shift last night and came to, came to the show in her scrubs, you know? And like, it's, it's, uh, that, that very may well be like her purpose, but it's also like how she makes her life too, yeah. you know? So, but I think, I mean, I, I love that though, because it is like, when you think about the universe and we're all a different part of that song and we're all playing together, like she's out there literally saving lives, but she's coming to your show, making the time, taking the time to come to your show because you're giving her life as well. So it's like, we're yeah. all so interconnected in everything that we do. Yeah. And so, oh, yeah. I just love this conversation. Yeah. Did anything surprise you when you were writing the book? Um, like you kind of had an idea of where it was going to go, but when you were writing it, did anything like kind of hit you at a, at a, like the side? Oh, I mean, I guess that like, I'm not done with therapy. I was like, Jesus age Christ. actually like what was like most, I think the most disturbing thing was like reading, uh, one of the chapters, which is about like, you know, being sort of like propelled back into therapy in 2020 and, uh, realizing, oh my God, I've just been having the same conversation with myself and my journal for like 20 years, you know, just like this, this, uh, this, uh, sort of a lack of self-compassion and mm. wondering like what I'm doing with my life. And am I like on the, the right path? And like, you know, does anything matter? And like, I mean, you could read my journal in, you know, college and like see that exact same conversation play out in the pages of my journal as it played out with my therapist. And I yeah. realized you've got to get it the fuck together. Are you kidding me? Like, no, but I think that that's, it's such a, a theme for, for most people, especially women in motherhood, where it's like, you're devoting so much of your time to these babies and raising them. And you're wondering too, like, am I sacrificing too much? Am I ever going to have like my thing? And it's just, I mean, that's really what this show is about. It's like, 
getting to know yourself, finding your own purpose, whatever that may be, even if it's not some big lofty thing so that you can then show up for your kids. And it's like what you just wrote. I mean, that's, that's what everybody feels. And I love that you, you have the skills to actually put it out into the world in a way people can understand and hear it and resonate with it. Yeah. You have this like feeling, or I had this feeling, um, writing the book too, where I was like, Oh God, like, is this even, is this life good for my kids? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like maybe my kids want a normal mom, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe my kids don't want like a mom who's a writer. Maybe my kids don't want me like uh, putting this all out into the world. Um, and this is a, a, a chapter in the book that, uh, is, I, I don't know how controversial it will be, but, you know, I, I stopped putting my kids on the internet, uh, a few years ago. And before that, I truly viewed them almost as like, because motherhood is a part of our identity. Right. And so where does my story as a mom start and where does it end? Like what, at what point is it no longer mine to tell At What point am I telling my kids stories for them? Mm -hmm. And the line is so difficult to discern that I just thought like, I can't do it. Like, I just can't do it. Now, do I still write about them? Hmm. Hmm. And in what way, you know, and, yeah. uh, and, and, and do I identify which kid I'm talking about or not? And, you know, I think writing the book made me think a lot about that. I'm still not sure what the right answer is. And though I think the hardest part about being a mother for me, I'm interested in how you feel about this is like, just the risk of it all, right? Like we are just so unaware of how this will turn out until like it's too late and we can't do anything about the mistakes we made. And uh, that just blows my mind. It just absolutely blows my mind sometimes. One of the best pieces of advice that I had from a former guest on the show is that it's never too late to go back to your child and apologize for anything that you might've said or done that was out of mm. turn. And mm-hmm. even if it, she's like, even if you're, they're adult children, you can always go back and you can yeah. always express, you know, you're sorry yeah. or express like, Hey, I was wrong. And that like, I always remember that because I was like, man, I screw up all the time. I, you know, lose it all the time. But then now in my present, I always go back and I always have a conversation in the now, because it's like, I don't yeah. want there to be these long lasting imprints on their brains from, from me messing up, you know? And it's, Liz, and that's, that's so that great. gives me so much more grace. Yeah. Yeah. That's so great. Cause like, I mean, I, how many times did an adult apologize to you when you were little? Never. Not once, Never. not once, not once. My dad lost his shit all the time. He had been in Vietnam, never mm. gone to therapy. Like I grew up with like a storm cloud in my house. Same like, Marine Corps, mm. Marine Corps family. Same. Mm. Woo. Mm-hmm. Woo. I just got chills. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, you just know, it's like, ugh. like you just, uh, like you can just feel it. And then no context. You have no, like, you know, I, I mean, I don't even think I really understood like what my dad had gone through until he was dead. And even mm. then it's like, yeah, I don't know. So I just, and never an apology, never like, um, never any context. And yeah, I think that would have gone really far. I think that would have gone a really, really long way. And I try to do that with my kids too. And when I do that and they go, it's okay. I have to like correct them and say, it's actually not. 
Mm. And I know why you're saying that it's okay to me. I know you want me to feel okay, but it's not your job to take care of me. So like, it's, it's not okay that I acted that way. It is not. And you shouldn't let anyone act that way. Not even me. No one gets to treat you like that. Not even your mom. In that moment, you realize you're healing like generational trauma, like through the line. You are, you are. Oh, I love it. Okay. Well that got off topic, but I love it. (laughs) But man, oh man, that's like, Ooh, that's a, that's a big thing. It's a big thing. Liz, thank you for bringing that up. Oh no. I think it was always going to happen. I love it. Um, (laughs) so for the listener who's tuning into this, um, do you have a final lasting message about the book, about the tour, about anything that you feel called right now in this moment to share with her? Oh God. It's just, you know, you're doing a good job. Like every time I write a book, every time I meet people, every time I go on tour, every time like a podcast episode comes out, I hear from people, it does not matter what the story is, who like have connected it to something in their life that is not like parallel to it, but somehow adjacent to it or intersects with it in like some small, strange way that I never saw coming. And they've always felt that like, it's just them. It's not just you. It's literally not just you. Even you, Liz, saying like, you know, 10 minutes ago, oh, like everyone feels that way. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, because you're so pretty, Liz. Like you can't feel that way. Like you mm. can't feel that way. That can't be true. You know what I mean? Like it's just so every single person like feels like they are messing it up in some way that they are, that they've done it all wrong or that they are all wrong. And like, we are not, we are just little, big little kids doing our best. That's all we are. It's giant kids. <laughs> hmm. I love it. Well, Nora, where can our listener find out more about you online and yeah. the tour? Um, the book is available wherever you like to get books. I think most small bookstores are sold out right now, which is great and horrible, uh-huh. but like Barnes and Noble, Amazon, Target.com, I think has them like wherever you want to get a book. I do the audio books too. I love doing the audio books. So those are out there. Um, and then my website is noramcnerney.com or noraborealis.com, which is just a play on the Aurora Borealis, the Northern Lights. I'm from Minnesota. It's just a joke. They go to the same website. A lot of people think my last name is Borealis. It is not. So. I literally just did. I'm like, huh? A lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of people are like, oh, I was looking for your book under B. I was like, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. Man, thank you, podcast. Liz. You're so lovely. Oh, and the oh. podcast is terrible. Thanks for asking. And you can find that wherever you get podcasts. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for your time. I know you are traveling all over the state. So this is, this is really special. Thank you. And I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a very special shower, which I'm so excited about. (laughs) Holy shit. I cannot wait. Oh my the bathroom God. looks great. <laughs> the bathroom looks great. You all got to see it because I had the bathroom door open the whole time. So. <laughs> and that's on brand, baby. Hey, I love it. Thank you so much, Nora. Thanks, Liz. Bye. You have been listening to the Motherhood to Unstress podcast. Please remember to review and subscribe to this podcast. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.